0: Oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler, this is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 319, Merry Christmas, it is 7.31 in the morning, Friday, December 25th, Christmas morning, and uh, I want to start right off the bat by saying this, I, I know that people are going to say, Zach, working on Christmas, why are you working on Christmas, and yeah, look, I, I work very hard, uh, my job is a I treat it like my craft. I really work hard to make every episode get better and always be constantly improving. Like I work very, very hard at my job, and I'm proud of that. But I also, look, I love my job, and it's so much fun. And I, I know that people are going to say, why are you working on Christmas? You should be spending time with your family. I had family time last night, all family time tomorrow, and later today. Uh, but I love sports, and I love talking about sports. And so I am happy to be here today. If anybody's driving around today and not with their family I hope that when the show comes out, you can listen to it and enjoy it. Um, and I I could not think of a better Christmas, actually, than getting to talk about sports and do my favorite show in the world. So, uh, I, I, honestly, I know that there are some people out there, and their initial, initial reaction is, why are you doing a show on Christmas, Zach? And my answer is, again, because I, I love what I do, and I have a good time doing it. And I got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. I do want to say that, Pro Bowl rosters were announced and uh, a lot of people were like, you know, talk about this or talk about that. And I know I'm supposed to care. Like, you know, some people got snubbed and who got, who, who was left out and, you know, should this guy be starting or that guy be starting? And I honestly don't care about any of it. I could not care less about the Pro Bowl. I I, I wish I did. I wish I, uh, there are people out there that are, are making intense topics and talking a lot about it and, you know, getting fired up and angry. And it's just not something that fires me up at all i i really i it's me it feels meaningless i couldn't care less actually so um i think my job is to be myself and stay true to myself and i it would it'd be very disingenuous if i tried to force a topic about the pro bowl because i just don't have anything to say other than kind of make fun of it and say it's just kind of a stupid meaningless thing the nfl does and i i wish a list came out rather than having a game i don't know what they're gonna do this year but I just could not care less about the Pro Bowl. I apologize for my lack of interest. If you want that, there is content out there about it. You'll not find it here. And uh, the NBA is something I'm going to pay attention to today for the first time. in really since LeBron won the finals for the Lakers uh, back in, what was that, like August or September? Whenever it happened, it's the last NBA game I watched. And so uh, Christmas Day today, I'm hoping to finally get engaged with the NBA again and uh, get reinvigorated. I I love basketball. I've just been a little bit busy with something called football season. So, uh, I I don't know. Hopefully basketball can pull me in today. Uh, the Saints play the Vikings tonight. Saints should win. Doesn't feel very controversial to say that. Doesn't feel very interesting to watch that game. I will watch the game. I'll watch it so you don't have to. Um, but I, uh, eh, we'll see what happens. I'm not that fascinated. I want to start today uh, by talking about Gardner Minshew. So, I want to do kind of an update. On Gardner Minshew, a lot of people have sent me messages saying, why aren't you talking about Gardner Minshew? And then they're mad at the things I've said about Gardner Minshew and talking about how the Jaguars should draft a quarterback and this and that. And I get a lot of messages about Gardner Minshew. So I want to just share an update on how I feel about him. Going into the year 2020 this year, uh, this season going in, I said that the Jaguars were not going to win a lot of games this year and that Gardner Minshew would not be to blame. And I stand by that. Gardner Minshew is not the problem in Jacksonville. They're not a good team. They're a bad roster. And I I have said before as well that if you put Gardner Minshew on a good football team, uh, the New Orleans Saints or the 49ers or the Pittsburgh Steelers, like he would be very, very successful. Just imagine Gardner Minshew, a guy who's not incredibly physically gifted, but he's a good decision maker, is very accurate. He is a perfect quarterback for a team like the San Francisco 49ers. And so I stand by Gardner's a good enough quarterback. that if you give him a good roster, he'll win a lot. He's a he's a galvanizer, he's a good leader. He brings people alive around him. He's a very I, I I think he's I watched him play against the Broncos last year and lead his team to a fourth quarter comeback and I'm like that guy is leading people from the sideline. It matters who he is as a person matters. And if anybody listens to this topic and calls me a hater, I will fight you. You're just wrong. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I went to Washington State during Gardner Minshew's senior year. I worked for Pac-12 Network filming interviews with Gardner Minshew. I shook his hand. I've literally met the guy. I could not be a bigger Gardner Minshew fan, actually, straight up. But it's also part of my job, to be honest. I can't just say stuff based on emotion. I have to be fair and honest and offer uh, legitimate insight to the league. And I can't just say whatever I want to say. I want to say Gardner Minshew is the best player to ever step on an NFL field. But that wouldn't be true. And if I said stuff like that, no one would watch or listen. So um, I I try to be fair. This year in 2020, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, I I stopped playing college football, and I've watched Justin Herbert have a fantastic rookie year. Like, they're not winning a lot, but if you watch what Justin is doing on the field, like just the film and look at the throws he's making and the kind of stuff he's doing, Justin Herbert has blown me away. And I've also watched Patrick Mahomes. Just shred the NFL. I mean, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen by a mile. And Josh Allen is doing very, very well. And so we're seeing in the NFL that uh, really, quite frankly, talent matters. The tall, athletic guy with a huge arm is dominating the NFL. I mean, it's just, it's true that being incredibly physically gifted matters. And I remember in the past watching guys like Jamarcus Russell, the best example I can think of. I also think of Vince Young. I think work ethic was a problem with Vince Young, but. I think Vince Young with better coaching in today's NFL, depending on his work ethic, with good with a good work ethic, Vince Young could have been a successful NFL quarterback. But a guy like Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf, guys who are incredibly physically gifted but didn't succeed, always scared me away from really physically gifted quarterbacks. I wanted to be clear that if you're going to evaluate a quarterback, you can't only base your evaluation on measurables, physical skill set, the, the height. Arm strength, speed, things like that. Because when it comes down to playing the quarterback position, that's not all there is. We saw Tom Brady become probably, you know, the, the most successful quarterback at the minimum. Definitely the most successful quarterback of all time. And he's not incredibly physically gifted. Same with Drew Brees. Drew Brees has like every NFL record and he's got a weak arm. Like, he's a short guy with an average arm. He's But he, he controlled that he could control, was incredibly accurate, made good decisions. And so... I've had this battle going on in my head. You you know, how much does it matter what you do, your habits, your work ethic, your accuracy, your decision-making, and how much does it matter how physically talented you are? Now, I mentioned I stopped playing football. I no longer play college football. And because I'm not playing, my perspective has also changed even more. And I'm probably honestly less biased about quarterbacks than I've ever been before. Because when I played quarterback, I was a short guy. I'm 5'11 and a half, if I'm lucky. I'm 5'11. I have a weaker arm. I was never the big, strong, tall kid. And so I think inherently, I always, whether I meant to or not, felt the need to point out people like Gardner Minshew. And um, I'm trying to think of another example. Case Keenum's Like people who played some good football, but weren't the most physically gifted. And so people like Tom Brady, I, I was a huge fan of Tom Brady growing up because, oh my goodness, he was not physically gifted. He was everything I was. He was a guy who won because he was smart and who was accurate and paid good attention to detail. But the NFL is changing, right? Patrick Mahomes was a guy who had a lot of problems on tape in college, but the upside was crazy. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes absolutely meet his potential. And it starts with good coaching. And then I've watched Justin Herbert, a guy who I thought had problems in college, go to the NFL, get good coaching and looks really, really good. Now it's one year, maybe Justin Herbert suddenly changes next year. And, you know, we saw, uh, for example, RG3 won a rookie of the year one time. Like you can have a good rookie year and then follow it up with a bad career. But my point is that more than ever, it feels like physical attributes do matter. And also more than ever, players with flaws are going to the NFL, getting good coaching and getting better. So, in the past, you saw a guy like Justin Herbert have problems in college who would go to the NFL and fail because you were running more complicated systems and weren't getting as good at coaching adapted to their play style. In today's NFL, things have changed. You take a guy like Justin Herbert and go, What's he good at? How can we build an offense around his skill set? Dumb things down, simplify things. And that's not really a credit. I mean, Justin Herbert's not being, things aren't necessarily being dumbed down, but they're fitting an offense to his skill set. That's not a dig at Justin Herbert even at all. And so my point is that guys with flaws, but great physical skill sets are dominating because they're being developed into better quarterbacks. And I look at the game from less of a player who was a short quarterback and more as a coach now. And so my long way of putting this is to say that my entire outlook on football has changed. I no longer think that you need to be just a guy with good habits. If you have bad habits, hey, do you have potential? Because as a coach, I have confidence. I can teach you how to play. So a guy like... Justin Fields at Ohio State has had two really bad games this year, Northwestern and Indiana, where he was, uh, was not beating the Blitz with a throw. He had bad interceptions. He was throwing the ball into traffic. And as a coach, I look at that and would go, man, like, I can teach this kid how to play football. He clearly works hard. He's got a, a great physical skill set. And I can teach him how to read a defense. Like, I can help him with that stuff because he works hard enough to do that stuff well. And that leads me all to Gardner Minshew. Because at the end of the day, when you look at the game from a more of a coach's perspective, who would you rather work with? The guy who's six foot five with a rocket arm who can run? Or Gardner Minshew, who's an average height and has an probably below average arm strength and is not incredibly physically gifted? Who has a higher ceiling? If if they make the same decisions, no matter what. Justin Herbert is always going to have a higher ceiling than a guy like Gardner Minshew. And so my my whole conclusion here is to say that Gardner Minshew is fine. He's totally fine. He's a very, very solid quarterback that if you give him a great team, he can win a lot of games. I think Gardner Minshew on the 49ers, I truly believe could win a Super Bowl. Like I'm a big fan of the guy, but I also, unbiased, he makes good decisions. He plays some good football. He's a good leader. There's good stuff about Gardner Minshew. But there's a limitation to what Gardner Minshew can do. His potential has a ceiling. He's not incredibly fast. He can extend a play a little bit. He has an average arm. He does not push the ball very well downfield. But he does other little stuff right. And so my, my whole conclusion here, again, is that Gardner has limitations. And I haven't really cooled on Gardner Minshew, but I have really changed my perspective to say, yeah, having a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, uh, man... Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like these guys who are tall, physical, you know, freaks, guys who are incredibly naturally gifted. If I'm a coach, that's who I want to work with. And I'd rather work with that guy and develop that guy than develop Gardner Minshew, who at some point is going to run into a ceiling. So it's not really that my opinion of Gardner Minshew has gotten diminished. I feel the same about Gardner Minshew, but my opinion on guys with incredible physical talent has risen. I mean, I really believe that guys like, Justin Fields, you have some problems, but a lot of talent can be developed into a good quarterback where I think a couple years ago and even even last year, I didn't believe in Justin Herbert because he had problems on film. And the truth is that now guys with problems on film, we saw Josh Allen had problems in college, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. These guys are getting better coaching that's adapted to their skill set and they are succeeding in the NFL where they wouldn't have 10 years ago. And so the NFL landscape is changing and I want to change with it. And so, again, I, I repeat. Physical ability, arm strength, height, speed, natural talent—it does matter, and I think it matters more than ever before in the NFL. I want to, I want to push back on something I've seen a lot. As the Jaguars got the number one overall pick, I saw New York Jets fans. Uh, so r- right now, let me read. Let me rephrase this. I want to push back against something that people have been saying about the New York market. The Jaguars right now, they have two games left in the NFL season. Currently today, if the draft were to happen in the NFL, the Jaguars would have the number one overall pick and the New York Jets would have that number two overall pick. And I want to push back on the idea of the New York market being better for Trevor Lawrence than Jacksonville. And I wouldn't make a strong statement to say that, you know, the New York market is not better at all for a guy like Trevor Lawrence than Jacksonville. But I, I think things are getting overstated. And I think part of it is actually that New York people do not want to believe that Jacksonville could possibly be better than their city, New York. I mean, New Yorkers are like, hey, what the heck? Our city's better than freaking Jacksonville. Come on. And then also, because they're a bad football team, all they really have to cling to is their city, their, the place they're from, their identity. And I've been to New York. I love New York. Uh, Manhattan is amazing. I think that, man, I'm an introvert. I don't know that I could live there full time, but there's an energy to that city and it's aggressive and it's fast and people are not apologetic, which I love. Uh, And they're very honest. They will call you on your stuff. And fans in New York are amazing. I've met, I went to an XFL game in February. I met a lot of New York fans. They're crazy, they're passionate. Uh, Trust me, I get a lot of comments from Giants and Jets fans You guys are a passionate, intense group of people, and there's a lot of you. There are probably way more New York Jets fans than there are Jacksonville Jaguars fans. But the idea that the New York market is that much better than Jacksonville, I think, is a little bit silly to me because people are acting like we don't live in a globalized market where it doesn't really matter where you live. It matters how many followers you have. It matters. I mean, you can do your job from almost anywhere on the planet now. Everywhere is the internet, for the most part. Uh, you know, Third world countries don't. But there are, there are places like most of the planet you can live and do a remote job. And the way Trevor Lawrence is going to make money off the field is from endorsements. And the best way Trevor Lawrence can get endorsements is by winning. How do you become a star? You win football games. And I, I you don't have to agree with me at all. But I personally believe that the best place for Trevor Lawrence to win football games when you compare the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jets head to head. I think it's more likely that Trevor Lawrence can win in Jacksonville than for the New York Jets. The Jets have bad management. The Jets have bad ownership. They're going to get a new coach. Who knows who that's going to be? And we saw Sam Darnold come to the Jets and was able to do absolutely nothing to turn around that franchise. I, Trevor Lawrence is probably better than Sam Darnold, but is it, that much better that he's going to have a dramatically different result. Maybe with a different coach, but I would argue that Jacksonville's got good talent. They have had good teams in the past. They just needed a quarterback. I mean, it'll be the first time in a long time that the Jaguars have had a true franchise quarterback. Uh, I think Gardner was close, but I, you know, Blake Bortles, uh, the guy from Missouri, I forget his name, uh, Blaine Gabbard. Blaine Gabbard had a problem where he was always afraid of getting hit. Like, the Jaguars have, have not had a true franchise quarterback in a long, long, long time. And I mean, because of their young ta- talent, because of uh, the direction they're heading, I mean, they got a lot of young players. I think Trevor Lawrence can walk in there and turn things around. I don't know that that can happen with the Jets. I think the Jets are a an absolute black hole of sadness, and I, I don't have confidence that that can easily be turned around. And I know that people say, well, the Jaguars had a lot of complaints. When Tom Coughlin was the the guy running the Jaguars, they had a lot of problems and people were angry and frustrated with the culture and the way things were run. Tom Coughlin's gone and they are changing things and things are evolving in Jacksonville. And then also, I want to say that I thought Gardner Minshew proved that, you know, you can be in the Jacksonville market and still get a lot of media attention. You can get endorsements. You can have sponsorships on Instagram. And again, the way that a guy like Trevor Lawrence takes advantage of the market he plays in is by winning. Will, will Trevor Lawrence potentially get more sponsorships and more endorsements off the field in New York? Probably a little bit, because again, there's a huge fan base. They're very passionate, but if you go to New York and suck and don't win, what's it matter? And I, I again, you don't have to agree with me. I think it matters that you win And I think the best place for him to win is Jacksonville. And I just think that the idea that Trevor Lawrence has to be in New York to make money off the field and to be in that market, it's an old, antiquated idea that doesn't really leave any room for a globalized economy where everything's done on the internet and you don't need to be faced, especially during COVID. Like, how can you argue that during a year with COVID where New York City is like empty and every business opportunity happens online? And as long as Trevor Lawrence has a lot of followers on Instagram and on social media and is a star player winning, he's going to have money off the field. It matters way less where you play and more who you are and your talent and your star power and your ability to win. And so I, I do think New York obviously is like slightly better of a market because of the big fan base, because of their passion. But I don't think it's dramatically better, so much better that he should try to avoid going to Jacksonville to go to New York. Because I, I, it, it's crazy to me. Like, people don't understand that in the 80s, when all journalism and all media was done on, on the newspaper and people trusted the news and there were very few ways to get the news, like, yeah, your market mattered. And even, even five years ago, the market mattered way more than it does today. But today, everything is done online and it doesn't really matter where you live and it doesn't really matter where you play. If you're a star, you're a star and you're going to get attention. And it's like, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have no problem getting media attention and getting endorsements and sponsorships in Jacksonville. I, I just I, people, this is my job. I have an agent. I, I get paid to do endorsements on Instagram. Occasionally. Like I, I am not Trevor Lawrence. I'm not a, nowhere near the followers he has on Instagram and the star power that way. But I, I've i gotten some of those and it people don't care where you live. And for a player, if you're winning, you're winning. And that's, what's going to get you attention. I mean, we've seen Joe Burrow in the city of Cincinnati, get a lot of money from endorsements. That's all he lives off of. So, I'm rambling now, but my point is I think that it sure it matters to be in New York. It would be it'd be good for Trevor Lawrence off the field to be in New York. But it's not this a massive, dramatic thing that he needs to try to get out of Jacksonville to go to New York because it's that much better. I think a lot of that is just angry New Yorkers who are trying to cling to whatever good thing they feel like they have left. And unfortunately, I've seen videos about New York during COVID. I don't know that New York is really this amazing, magical place right now. Uh, I saw it in February it was it was amazing I thought I saw probably the last bit of New York we'll see for a couple of years a beautiful amazing uh you know fun vibrant New York it's not going to be like that for at least quite a while and and that's just walking on the street day to day but my point is that again I don't know that the market matters as much as people are acting like it would between New York City and Jacksonville Florida all right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, let's do some NFL Week 6 predictions. Uh, later, I'll do some Ask Zach questions. My name is Zach Shomler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we are doing very, very well. Let's jump in. NFL Week 16 is here. I want to do some predictions. I want to share kind of a preview of the weekend. Uh, Friday, Christmas Day, there's a game. The Vikings and the Saints. Uh, there's three games on Saturday. There's 11 games on Sunday. There's a Monday night football game. Should be a fun weekend. I want to start with the games that I believe are the five best games in NFL Week 16. We'll do the five best. We'll talk about the blowouts. Then we'll talk about what I think are t- games with bad teams that are still interesting and fun. So uh, number one on Saturday, you have the Dolphins at the Raiders. It's an important game for Miami. They are 9-5. and five. Uh, They need to win because right now they are the number seven seed in the AFC playoff picture, they would get into the playoffs if they started today. They need to win to make that maintain the way it is. Uh, the Raiders are 7-7. Seven and seven. They have not yet been eliminated from the playoffs. I believe losing this game would eliminate them. Uh, they are all but eliminated from playoff contention. And it's likely Derek Carr is going to play at quarterback for the Raiders in this game. I'm kind of disappointed hearing that. I really wanted to watch Marcus Mariota against uh, Tua Valoa, The two Hawaiian quarterbacks went to the same high school in Honolulu, Oahu. Uh, I, I don't know if they live in—I think it's in Honolulu, St. Louis High School. I know it's on Oahu, the biggest—I uh, po- most I guess the most populated island in Hawaii. I wanted a fun storyline there. I don't think we're going to get it. The Dolphins should win. Uh, I hope it's a good game, though. I, we'll see. I think the Raiders are floundering a little bit. Their defense has been really problematic. And, I mean, they, they have good game plans every week. But is Derek Carr healthy? How's the defense play? The, the Dolphins should win this game. They need to win this game. Uh, and I actually just got a, a Tua jersey. I'm very excited for this game. I got a Tua jersey. I opened my presence at like 6 a.m. on, you know, this morning, Friday morning. And I'm excited to look at Tua and see how he does against the Raiders on Saturday. Colts at Steelers is the second most interesting game, in my opinion. The Colts are 10-4. The Steelers are 11-3. and three. Pittsburgh has lost three games in a row. Meanwhile... The Colts have actually won three in a row, so I'm open for a great game. It feels like a really tough one to win for Pittsburgh. Is a a good Colts team with a good defense. they run on the ball well. Philip Rivers is playing very well. Last week on Monday Night Football, Big Ben was just awful. He made bad decisions. He was inaccurate. Uh, I I mean, the Colts defense is really really good, and they should stifle the Steelers running game. The Steelers, I have a lot of questions and concerns and. So I'm picking the Colts to win. It feels like they're the better team uh, currently at this point of the year. Uh, but I will say Big Ben versus Phillip Rivers is a fun matchup. The media, will, you know, the way they cover it will be interesting. It's a fun storyline because they were both drafted in the first round of 2004. They're kind of always linked together because of that NFL draft. And so uh, Steelers Colts should be fun picking the Colts to win. But I, I am praying and hoping the Steelers show up and play well because I want it close intense matchup fun, hard-fought battle. And if we get that, I don't really care who wins. I just want close, fun, interesting football. Now, um, week 16 ends with some really good football. I, I do. We probably should talk about uh, the Titans and Packers first, though. Uh, the Titans and Packers, I, I'm picking the Titans to win. Uh, they're no joke. They run the ball very, very well. Ryan Tannehill, their quarterback, is, I think, a lot better than people give him credit for. He's underrated. But the biggest question in this game, Titans and Packers, it's at Lambeau Field, it's a cold game for Tennessee, can they handle the weather, but also how does their defense play? Because they're playing what I believe should be the NFL MVP, Aaron Rodgers, uh, on the road, he's lighting up the scoreboard and playing very well week to week, so it should be a fun game, I'm picking Tennessee to win very hesitantly because it's an away game at Lambeau Field and Wisconsin in the cold against Aaron Rodgers, but... I, I really want to see, can the Packers' defense stop the Titans on first and second down, forcing third and long, making them throw the ball to win? And uh, we'll see how the Packers' defense plays. I'm, I'm fascinated by this game. Should be really fun and very, very interesting. Now, again, I mentioned Week 16 comes to an end in a really fun way. There's really three good games at the end. Uh, one of those games is the Sunday ne- uh, Sunday afternoon window game, the Rams at Seattle. Uh, the Rams are 9-5. and five. The Seahawks are 10-4. and four. And the matchup to watch in this game is really the Rams defense against the Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson. It's, I have no idea who wins this game. I I don't know. I'm not going to pretend I know. Uh, I'm picking Seattle simply because I don't trust the Rams quarterback, Jared Goff. He's been very inconsistent, really his whole career, but even this year. But it feels like a coin flip still because I don't know what Seattle team is going to show up. They're also inconsistent week to week. And I'm hoping for a great game because there's a lot of star players playing. Uh, Aaron Donald, you have Russell Wilson, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Jamal Adams, DK Metcalf. Like there are stars littered all over the field on this game. And uh, I'm just hoping for an amazing game. I'm picking Seattle to win again. I don't trust Jared Goff, but this could go either way. I don't, I I know people want me to have a strong opinion here. I'm not going to make a bold statement. My bold statement is I hope it's close and fun and interesting and uh, you may not like that prediction, but that's that's my that's what I have to say. I'm not going to pretend to know something I don't know. Now the Bills at Patriots feels like a really fun, interesting game. The Bills are 11 and three. They just clinched the AFC East last week, and I, I think it'll be fun to watch simply because I want to see whether or not the Bills beat up on the Patriots, who are six and eight. Uh, the season's coming to an end. Could be a really fun win for Buffalo. Their fans are excited and. A good way, you know, it's the second to last game of the year. Imagine, you know, capping off your year week 16 with a win over the team that's kind of beat the crap out of you for years and saying, hey, no, what's up? Wait, you know, we we just beat you by four. Like to win by 30 points over the Patriots week 16 for Buffalo. Oh, I'd I'd feel really good for them. Now, does Bill Belichick really go out that way? Second to last game of the year, week 16, you get blown out by Buffalo. I don't know. I, I'm curious what kind of fight the Patriots bring. I'm just fascinated by the Patriots-Bills game. I I, I just want to see, like, do the Bills do what they should do and beat the Patriots by a lot? Or do the Patriots have some kind of response and surprise the world and play very, very well? Now, I uh, I believe it's very, very important to be genuine. Like, I, when I'm not interested in something, I try to own it, be honest about it. I, I could never... I don't, I don't think lying or pretending makes good content. And so I'm not going to pretend to be interested in some of these games this week. There are six games this weekend that feel like absolute blowouts that are not going to be close and are, even if they're not blowouts, it's obvious who's going to win. Now, the only way these games are interesting, in my opinion, is if an underdog wins, then I'll be like, oh, wow, I can't believe that, you know, the Falcons beat the Chiefs. Like, that'd be a shock. And a surprise. And so these are the games, the six of them, that I think are not very interesting because they feel like the winner should be obvious. You have on Friday, Christmas Day, you have the Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints should win their much better team. You have on Saturday, the Buccaneers at the Lions. Assuming the Buccaneers show up and play the way their record will show, which I I don't trust that because if there's any game that could be an upset, it is the Buccaneers at Lions because the Buccaneers... Do you trust them? But they are a better team. The Buccaneers should beat the Lions on Saturday. You also have on Saturday, the 49ers at the Cardinals. The Cardinals should win this game pretty easily. They're a better team. They are uh, a healthier team. Their defense is playing pretty well recently. The 49ers are banged up. They're super injured. They're playing a third string quarterback, not Jimmy Garoppolo, not Nick Mullins. They're playing CJ Bethard because they have literally nobody else healthy to play quarterback for them. You're playing a, a third-string quarterback against a very good Cardinals team. I, I don't see the 49ers winning at all. I don't know how that's even possible that they could win. On Sunday, you have the Falcons at the Chiefs. Again, you have a team that fired their coach that's not very good against probably the best team in the NFL that should win the Super Bowl, Kansas City. Kansas City should win this game with their eyes closed. Uh, the Browns at Jets, it's another mismatch. Cleveland is 10-4. and four. I think a fun conversation will be Baker Mayfield against Sam Darnold, but the Browns, if they're anything like they've looked all year, they should you know, dominate the Jets and win pretty easily walking away on Sunday. And then finally, the Giants at the Ravens. I think the Ravens win this game pretty easily. Uh, they're a better team. Now, I know that New York Giants fans are furious and angry and want to punch me in the face for saying that their team's going to get the tar beat out of them. But I, again, I my job is to be honest and be myself and be, you know, say what I believe. And I, I don't believe that the giants can compete with the Ravens here. And I don't know if that's the right way to put it because I look, I I love the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson. He's a former MVP winner. He's a star. I do like the giants defense. They've made progress this year. I don't know that they can stop Lamar Jackson, but I am, I am curious to see how the giants play. Uh And I this is another game that, you know, the, the Buccaneers lions could be an upset. And maybe the Giants find a way to upset the Ravens. But remember, the Ravens are fighting hard to stay in the playoff picture. So I think this game means more to the Ravens. But also, on the other hand, the Giants are hoping that Washington loses so that they can remain in contention for the, a- the NFC East. So we'll see what happens. Picking the Ravens to beat the Giants pretty easily on Sunday. Now, there are five games with bad teams that I think are still really fun, interesting, hard-fought battles. So the Bears-Jaguars game, um, I'm picking the Bears to win. I Mitchell Trubisky's played very, very well recently. Actually, I, I try to look. I'm fair. If you play well, I acknowledge it. And Trubisky's doing a good job. The Jaguars have the number one overall uh, pick right now. Weirdly enough, they can't afford to win this game. The Jaguars have to lose to keep the number one overall pick. And so the Bears should win this game. Trubisky we'll see how he does, but I I think the Jaguars like if Gardner starts playing well uh, maybe oh, suddenly Gardner Minshew's hurt we can't, you know, like, it feels like the kind of thing where you might not have tanked all year for Jacksonville, but you better tank now, like you can't afford to win this game and lose the number one overall pick and and miss out on Trevor Lawrence, so uh, Bears should beat the Jaguars on Sunday, Bengals Texans, the Bengals are coming off a big win over the Steelers, could be close and fun, I think that the star of the game is obviously Deshaun Watson. The problem, though, is that Deshaun Watson, Houston's quarterback, is totally alone. Like, he is the only person on his team, maybe J.J. Watt as well, but he, he's definitely the star player on Houston that is pretty much alone with no help. And Houston is a terrible team. They can't run the ball. They have bad pass protection. They're terrible on defense. They, they're awful as a football team. All they have is Deshaun Watson and Deshaun could take over the game and beat the Bengals but the reason why I'm picking the Bengals to win this game is because of their defense. I walked away very impressed with what they did against Pittsburgh. They made good plays on the outside. They I am not very impressed with Houston's receiving core and so the Bengals defense against Deshaun Watson and the Houston receivers really makes me feel like the Bengals could win this football game if you know Ryan Finley their backup quarterback does just okay and doesn't turn over the football. The Bengals could and should beat Houston on Sunday. Now, uh, the Eagles-Cowboys should be fun because it's a big rivalry game. It's always interesting at the minimum. Uh, I can't wait to watch Eagles rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts. He's kind of broken out this year and done really, really well. So I'm picking the Eagles to win because of Jalen. I want to see how he plays. I love him. He's one of my—he probably—he really is my favorite college football player of all time. And I really like how he's doing in the NFL so far after a couple games— so the Eagles should beat the Cowboys. Uh, Panthers-Washington, to me, depends who plays at quarterback for Washington. Now, there's a reason to pick Washington to win this game. Like it, They should be the favorite because their coach, Ron Rivera, in Washington was fired last year by the Carolina Panthers. So he's playing his old team that fired him. You would imagine that Washington's pretty fired up to win for their coach who they love and who went through cancer and they fight very hard for However, if Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback this week and not Alex Smith for Washington, I, I just can't confidently say that Dwayne Haskins is going to do well and that Washington is going to win because Dwayne Haskins has been immature, unprepared, incredibly inconsistent, inconsistent, inaccurate. Like I, I, I cannot put any faith in Washington if Dwayne Haskins is their quarterback. And the Panthers are interesting. They will beat you if you give them an opportunity to so. It depends who plays quarterback for Washington, Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins. Tentatively, I'm picking Washington to win. But if Dwayne Haskins is their quarterback, they should lose and it probably won't be that close. Now, the Broncos and the Chargers. I'm picking the Chargers to win. Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback, is a star. They got a lot of talent there. They're actually not a, like, they had a lot of losses by one score. They're actually like a pretty interesting, decent football team. I mean, they, they took Kansas City to overtime. They're not a terrible football team. They're probably better than Denver is, given Denver's injuries. And I I really don't care if Denver wins or loses. Their quarterback, Drew Locke, needs to play well. I keep preaching and saying, like, let's give him patience. Let's give him patience. Let's see what it is next year. But in order to get patience, Drew Lock needs to continue to play at a decent enough level to be given patience. He can't have five turnovers and play terrible in this game. He's got to play clean, solid football, make good decisions, and if they lose, it can't be his fault. So we'll see how uh, Drew Lock does. I'm picking the Chargers to beat the Broncos on Sunday. I love Justin Herbert. He's a star quarterback. He's amazing. Love the guy. And Drew Lock has to just play decent. So, guys, that's all I have for NFL Week 16. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be really, really fun. There's some bad games. There's some good games. I, uh, I want to watch Jalen Hurts. I want to watch Tua. I want to watch... Uh, I there's another game I'm really fascinated by. Uh, the Bills-Patriots should be really interesting. Do the Bills beat the Patriots like they should? And do the Browns beat the Jets? The, the Browns should beat the Jets easily. But the Browns are the Browns, and I don't know what to believe. And, and then, really, maybe the most important game this weekend could be the Jacksonville Jaguars' season on the line. They have to lose this game. If they... Win this game and blow their shot at having a number one overall pick. Man, it'd be so sad. Gardamage is playing for them. Keep your eye on the Jaguars this weekend. They are playing the Bears. Uh, Trubisky's been streaky his entire career Uh, as a Bears quarterback. The Bears had better beat the Jaguars on Sunday. We'll see what happens. NFL Week 16 should be very, very fun. All right, guys. I'm going to take a short break when I return. We'll do some Ask Zach. Ask Zach questions. It'll be really, really fun. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. Oh, right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. It's time for my favorite segment of the show, Ask Zach. It's where I go to Patreon and read some questions from the audience. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. It gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantees i look at every single question, comment, concern, thought, or idea with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple. Uh, I do not do Ask Zach every episode. I do it as often as I can. I, I really was kind of frustrated. The questions I got, uh, I, you know, I post on Patreon, hey, send in your questions. I didn't like them. I was like, man, these are not... I, I, I don't think it was the best work of you guys. Now, in the most recent post, you guys stepped it up. I got a... Ton of great questions I I appreciate the creativity I appreciate what you guys have to say And so I A little subtle dig But also look I love you guys And you guys got a lot of Interesting fun questions And comments And concerns And yada yada So let's dive in I do want to address Question number one first Henry writes and he says What fun Christmas traditions Do you have And are you religious In any way So number one Christmas I I've done this for Four years now Every Christmas I go to my best friend's house I used to live with them actually in college. Uh, I'm going there in 46 minutes. So it's 8.14. I got to be there at nine o'clock to open presents and have breakfast with them. Uh, That's my kind of tradition at Christmas. Now, I do have a lot to say about religion. I do. Uh, This is not the place to do that. I'm not going to answer it on this show. This is a sports podcast. Uh, I do like answering non-sports related questions during Ask Zach, please send them in. It's, I like talking about movies and all kinds of stuff, uh, but I try to avoid politics and religion here because I know, like if I was listening to a sports podcast and I was sensitive about a topic, I wouldn't want to hear that topic talked about. I'm like, I'm here for an escape from the real world, not to hear about real life stuff. And, uh, you know, I've probably even made too many jokes about my hometown, I live in the Portland, Oregon area. I, I occasionally take digs at the way things are run here during COVID. So I probably should just, to, to be safe, I'm not gonna answer this question here I'm going to answer this question about religion on my other podcast with my girlfriend called The Flat Humans Podcast. Uh, I got a YouTube channel, Zach Schaumler. A little subtle plug. I do it with my girlfriend. It's fun. Uh, I want to do a religion topic, but I want to put it in a place that people can opt into and that all the people there are there because they like me, not because they want to just hear about sports. It feels wrong to do it here. I mean, I got even an idea to do a show with my dad, a former pastor, uh, called... Uh, religion and aliens with my dad. It'd be a fun podcast, uh, but I wouldn't want to hear that during a sports podcast. So we'll talk about religion on the other show down the road at some point soon. Caleb writes in, I love Caleb's question. Caleb says, Hey Zach, for some reason, I just cannot see Justin Fields being a successful NFL quarterback. It is games against Northwestern and in Indiana. I saw forced throws, inability slash unwillingness to throw against the blitzes uh, and a pass rush. He seems to not know when to let the play die or throw the ball away. Granted, he does, does a, lot of those, a lot of other things well. These are some ugly areas of his game, though, that seem to come up consistently. Do you think these are things that are going to change when he gets to the NFL? I can't imagine he's going to look better when, than he does right now when he's playing against, let's say, the San Francisco 49ers defense. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So I did a whole opening about potential and how that works in the NFL. Um, number one, I think that people go from college to the NFL much smoother and more easily now because they grew up with more reps. They got better coaching and better coaching is what really matters. I mean that when Justin goes to the NFL, he's probably going to get an offense. that's going to run a lot of the same stuff that he's doing at Ohio State. They're going to build an offense around his skill set and what he does well and then as the years go on, evolve things and change things and add things that are more and more complicated and ask him to do more and more stuff. So he's got a lot of potential physically. He can run around. He's got a great arm. He's gotten become an even better and better thrower as the years have gone on. But Justin Fields needs a good coach. He's got a lot of upside. And it's pretty clear to me he works very, very hard. But coaching is what matters more than anything. Who does he work with? Because, look, I... If, if you saw Justin Fields on the Jets playing for Adam Gase, I, that, that's not going to work. And I don't, he needs good coaching and he needs a coach to work on him and help him with the things that he struggled with against Northwestern and Indiana. You mentioned him not beating the blitz, throwing, uh, not throwing the ball away, throwing the ball into traffic, making weird, bad decisions. He had some alarmingly bad plays against Northwestern and in, in Indiana. And uh, I think he's got more bad plays than a guy like BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. So, yeah, I look at Justin Fields and Gil. There is some alarming stuff that I don't feel good about. A lot of red flags. But the red flags come along with a lot of high-level talent that we've seen in the NFL recently. Guys with problems, Justin uh, Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like people with problems in college go to the NFL, get great coaching, and their potential gets realized. So, I think it's pretty likely Justin Fields is a phenomenal NFL quarterback, but he's got to get good coaching that can help him develop his skill set and build an offense around what he does well and what he is comfortable with. Next question is, we got a lot of these today. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Connor writes in. Connor says, hey, Zach, would you welcome a shakeup of the NFL where there's no longer an AFC-NFC split? As a bread who's only recently got into the sport, I can't get my head around some teams only playing each other once every four years. How do you think the change would affect the landscape of the sport? Well, it wouldn't work. I think it, uh, It. I I think you need two. I think it's more fun. Now, you could have, like, for the playoffs, for example, you could have the, what, the the 14 best teams play in the playoffs and, you know, uh, the top two seeds get a bye week and they just all play together until they meet at the end. You could do that, I guess. The biggest problem is if you didn't have the AFC and NFC, honestly, you'd miss out on key rivalry games because of, you know, you play your division twice a year. That's the Steelers and the Ravens. That's the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, Dallas and Philadelphia. The Packers and the Bears or the Packers and the Vikings. Anybody in the NFC North, they all hate each other in a fun kind of, yeah, there's a fun energy in the NFC North I really, really like. But my point is that if you took away the conferences, you actually really, the biggest loss would be rivalry games in within divisions. So that's why I would not get rid of that. A fun name, uh, That's Good Broncos, writes in. Says, hey, Zach, new member of Patreon here. I'm a lifelong Broncos fan and wanted to have your thoughts from your original Drew Locke film analysis. First of all, That's Good Broncos. Welcome, glad you're here. He says, your original Drew Locke film analysis changed. He's uh, Drew, Drew seems very inconsistent one week and will ball out like at the Panthers game the next. He'll get destroyed by the Bills. Also, the, the next... This is a hard-to-read hard, hard to read worded question. So basically, Drew Locke's very inconsistent. One week good, one week bad. The Broncos are projected to get a top 10 pick with the Jets winning. Do you think the Broncos should trade up for Justin Fields? Love your vids. Best, Clay. So the the point of this question really is to say that should we be patient with Drew Locke or not and should they trade up for another quarterback? I think I've seen too much good from Drew Locke to give up on him. I I I regularly see something that I go, oh, that's a good play. Like, wow, huh? Interesting. And so I want to see one more year of Drew Locke in Denver with uh, you know, a real offseason and a healthy team around him. They're really injured this year. All his weapons got hurt, his best receiver got hurt. I want to see him in year two with the Pat Shermer system. But I am skeptical because while he's very, very talented, we've seen a lot of inconsistent play from Drew Locke that is unacceptable. So he's got to do the work this offseason to get better and make a choice to dedicate himself to football and being great. But I want to see, because of the circumstance around him with injuries and COVID and a new offense, I want to see what Drew Locke can do And he's also very, very talented. If Drew Luck was not talented and did not have any good plays this year, then, yeah, it'd be an easy one to walk away from. But I'm seeing some some positive stuff that makes me go, okay, I'll give give the guy one more year and see what he can do uh, next year. (laughs) AJ writes in. AJ says, My favorite player and the greatest quarterback to ever grace the league, Josh Rosen, has been signed by the 49ers. Although he won't start this weekend, I believe his mere presence will give the 49ers wins. No question here, just facts. <laughs> okay, AJ, I think it's humor. I think you're, you're joking. Um, but we'll see. I'd love to see I'd love to feel, see Josh A- Rosen do very, very well in San Francisco playing for Kyle Shanahan. Ben writes in, interesting question, says, hey, Zach. It like, seems like the Lions are likely to move on from Matthew Stafford, their quarterback. As a Lions fan, I'm sad to see him go, but also happy he'll have the chance to play for a competent organization. I've got two questions. Number one, where do you want to see Stafford go? And number two, where do you think he will go? Two questions that are similar but likely have very different answers, Love the content, and I hope you have a nice holiday season. Thank you. Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, whatever it is for you. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, happy holidays. I appreciate you, Ben. Ben, uh... There are three places I want to see Matthew Stafford go. I want to see him go to the 49ers or the Saints or the Steelers. I Patriots, Colts. I mean, like, here's what I want from 49ers would be amazing. Saints would be pretty cool too. I, I think he probably goes to a team in the AFC because you don't trade your quarterback within your conference because you don't want to play him later down the road in the playoffs. Because, uh, yeah, in theory, think you're going to go to the playoffs. I want to see Matthew Stafford win. I don't care where he goes. I want to see him have a good end to his career. Please, God, on a, with a good organization, maybe winning a playoff game or two. I, I, I want to see Matthew Stafford do well at the end of his career. Now, it's very likely that he goes to a bad team. Here's why. Uh, the Detroit Lions are going to trade him away. And they're going to trade him to whoever gives up the most for him. What trade is best for Detroit? The trade that gets them the most stuff in return. Uh and so realistically, it's going to be very disappointing where he goes. He's going to go to a bad team that's got a bad draft pick that wants a quarterback badly. I don't think the 49ers are going to make a huge trade to get Jim, uh you know Matthew Stafford or the Saints or the Patriots. I it's wishful thinking to believe. And plus it's the real world like realistically, things are often disappointing. So I I can have hope that Matthew Stafford will go to a good team that will let him win. But we'll see. I I am not hopeful, partially because I don't want to be disappointed, but partially because I know that he's going to go to whatever team trades the most for him. Not necessarily the best fit for him. He's not a free agent. He can't choose where he goes. And so uh, it's just unfortunate and very, very sad with what's going to happen. Probably at the end of his career, he'll continue to lose and uh, continue to have a bad career. Kevin writes in, and I want you to listen to the way Kevin worded the question. Does Kevin work at a hospital or does Kevin live at a hospital? Listen to what Kevin has to say. It says, hello, Zach. I love what you're doing and made a Patreon account to support you. Thank you very much. Kevin says, I have one question. Gruden is about to finish his third year, and so far it looks like the Raiders are going to miss the playoffs yet again. In your opinion, how has he been doing so far, and what can the Raiders do to get over the hump? Thanks for bringing some joy to my life as your podcast definitely keeps me going when I listen on the drive to and from work from the hospital. So so, drive to slash from work from the hospital. I think you work at a hospital. And if you do, thank you so much. If you're a doctor or a nurse or whatever you do, uh, I'm grateful. The medical field's huge and I appreciate that. You don't mean to and from work from the hospital, meaning – to work from the hospital where you live, right? It's, I don't know, f- fun nitpicking. I think it's interesting. Like, ah, Kevin, you do to live in the hospital, right? You work there, I would think. Uh, now, Gruden has a 10-year contract. So John Gruden is gonna get patience. He deserves to have patience. And I will say, I mean, here's what John Gruden's done very well. A couple things. He's had some really good game plans where the plan designed schematically has been really intriguing and really, really good for the Raiders. Now, um... He also has a good foundation of players. Him and Mike Mayak have done a, a good job building their roster in the draft. So I think the Raiders have a good foundation. They're, they're, I think they at times look well coached, but their defense is a mess, and I don't know that Derek Carr is the right guy. And it's it's really frustrating how inconsistent the Raiders have been. So I wish I had this great answer saying, like, here's the one thing that's wrong with the Raiders. I, I can't. Uh, but I know that it doesn't really matter how John Gruden um, – what matters is that John Gruden has a 10-year contract. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think he's doing a good enough job to keep him. And he's building his team to the draft. And I want to see where the Raiders are at in a year or two when they have got uh, more development with their players and hopefully not dealing with COVID. And uh, we'll see if Derek Carr is a guy long-term. I mean, they, they need a, a consistent quarterback who is not up and down the way Derek Carr has been. So we'll see if that guy's Derek Carr. Does Derek Carr get better? Do they replace him? I don't know. Um, but I, I really do believe that John Gruden's got enough stuff going well for him that I give him patience, and he's he, he's whether he deserves it or not, he's got a 10-year contract that you're going to have to, I mean, a 10-year, and not just a 10-year contract. John Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. He's not going anywhere, so um, he's got seven years left on the deal after this year, so look, he's got time to get building, and he deserves it to some degree, and even if he wasn't deserving, the Raiders can't afford to fire him. So he's their guy for seven more years minimum. And uh, we'll see how he does with that time. John writes in. John says, and I hope I can answer this one. I don't know that I can. I'll do my best, though. John says, I'll keep it simple. What the heck happened to Pittsburgh? The Steelers' defense looks good, but the offense has been abysmal. What needs to change? Now, I don't think the defense has been that impressive either, by the way. I mean, they, they couldn't stop the Bengals when they needed to last Monday. Uh, Big Ben has been awful, though. Big Ben, uh, inaccurate, bad decision-making. I think he's nervous to get hit, which is weird because he wasn't to start the year. I, I don't know. Uh, and-, and people outside need to make more plays. James Washington, Dandre Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju, Eric Ebron. Receivers need to step up. And uh, I-, I wish I had more there, but I. you're asking what happened to Pittsburgh. I don't know. I, I actually— I don't know what makes a team just suddenly play terrible. Is it the injuries? Cut up in them on defense, and the defense is carrying them more than we thought. I, I don't know because what happened on Monday against the Bengals was inexplicable. I couldn't tell you what happened. Made no sense, and I I can't tell you why the Steelers have suddenly lost three games in a row. People love to say they're frauds, and that could be true, but they also were playing good football. Now they're not. So what takes a team from playing good football to suddenly playing bad football, and players that were making plays suddenly not making plays? I don't know. I. I can't explain it. It's it's not just because they're frauds. They were good. Now they're playing badly. And I, I it's just weird to me. Connor writes in with a heavy one. Connor says, hey, Zach, this is a sad one, just so you know beforehand, going into what I wanted to say. So this will be my first Christmas without my dad, and it's going to be really tough. I wrote in about this a few months ago, if you remember. Anyway, I just wanted to say that I have really learned to enjoy my time with friends and family more. I always heard that I need to love and appreciate others around me because I will never know when they are gone, and I didn't really understand that till I had a significant loss in my life. Are there any significant things you learned from after a big loss, even if they're cliche? I love the show and hope things are going well, Zach. By the way, thanks for reading with your eyeballs. Connor, uh, your dad – sounds like your dad died, and I think you did. I'm pretty sure I remember your other question from months ago. Uh, people, if he, in any case, anybody doesn't know, my brother died, uh, almost five years ago. And so number one, Connor, I'm sad for you. I'm sorry. Uh, death never feels good for me. I know that the, the highlights of life, uh, getting a hundred thousand subscribers, uh, getting my first paycheck from strong in sports, going back to my college football, uh, meeting the, really the woman of my dreams. And I think I'm going to marry my girlfriend, Elizabeth. Uh, I, those are all things I wish I could tell my brother about and share with him because it makes me very sad. He's not there for the highlights of my life. And, uh, for some people, Christmas is a highlight and it's also a time you're with your family and your family's on your heart a lot. Now, my thought here, Connor, for you and I, for anybody out there that's dealing with loss, number will grieve, go get help, go get a counselor, all that stuff. When my brother died though, it made me face my mortality. It made me realize, yeah, I'm going to die someday. If I'm lucky, I got 80 to 100 years on planet Earth. Maybe short. I have a heart attack. I work really hard. Maybe I die early. Maybe I get hit by a car tomorrow. Maybe on my way to Christmas breakfast in 20 minutes, I get hit by a car and I'm dead. And so because nothing's guaranteed and time is very precious and life is not guaranteed, I want to live my life in a way that reflects the fact that I might die tomorrow. I, I want to do what I like, and I, I hope that my decisions reflect how short life is. I work very hard and I work hard to build my show. And I, I also, but I, my job does not feel like work. I love what I do. I grind, man. I watch hours of football. I write a lot. I, I do a lot of stuff I think people don't even realize I do. Right. I, I, it's Christmas morning. I'm recording a podcast. Like I, I I'm very proud of how hard I work, but I also am working at a job I like. And I, I want to move to Hawaii someday because quite frankly, I I don't know if I'll ever, Like, if the show falls about tomorrow, at least I had a year living in Hawaii. And I, I just, I have goals and I have dreams and I just hope that people understand that time on planet earth is not guaranteed. And I encourage you to live your life as if that's true. The thing you've thought about doing the game you wanted to play, the, you wanted to snowboard at some point in your life, go do it, go snowboard, go play that game, go say hi to that girl, tell your family, you love them, like live your life. In a way that reflects how short it is. Because nothing's guaranteed. And don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to go see the stuff you want to. If you want to go see New York City. It's your deepest dream and desire. Then by golly. Go see New York. Because you're not guaranteed anything. And I would. I, Man. Time is very precious. Treat it that way. And also. Man. uh, When you realize that you're going to die eventually. It makes you realize like how much doesn't matter. You're like. wait, Wait. 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 My hair doesn't matter. My, my the shirt I wear every episode doesn't matter. Like, oh, or uh, a, a random fight about something that isn't going to matter five years from now doesn't matter. Or if someone doesn't like you, it doesn't matter because if they don't like you, they don't need to hang out with you. Like everything becomes it, when someone dies around you and you realize that life is short. It just changes your entire outlook on everything. And that was my big takeaway. The biggest thing I learned. Like I I became more honest, more flippant, more passionate. I cry easier. I, I'm a totally different human being because my brother died and there's no way someone in your life can die that means a lot to you and not completely change your entire outlook on life. I, I, I beg every person, whether someone in your life died or not, remember, you're going to die. I, I hate to break it to you. Everybody dies at some point. Uh, we haven't solved that one yet. And so I encourage you, remember that's true. And don't be crippled by it. I'm not trying to make anybody feel sad or terrified. But remember that i know people that have spent 40 years of their life at a job they hate to me that sounds like a waste that sounds terrible or they live in a part of the country they don't like or they're married to someone they don't like or they they hate this person but there's that person's still in their life because they're not they don't have the guts to tell them they suck no uh don't don't live your life that way it sounds awful to me and i, I don't live my life that way and i hope you don't live your life that way i, I want a good life for you listening and i, I encourage you to remember that Life is short, time is precious, and it's okay to be honest about that. Wow. Long rant. Uh, Caleb writes in. He says, Hey, Zach, I hope you're having the best holiday is available to you. I thought about your group of five playoff scenario a lot since you introduced your idea on the show. Very proud of that segment. I thought it was great. Uh, I am wondering what the group of five conferences... And by the way, not, that was commentary. I was proud of that segment, not Caleb's commentary. Caleb continues... I am wondering what the group of five conferences would benefit from the concept. I'm worried that they would get only significantly less TV. I'm worried that they would get significantly less TV money and that it would not only hurt the football programs, but the other NCAA sports, those football programs help maintain with their earnings. The group of five playoff sounds more engaging and exciting than the current overinflated bowl game system. So he kind of says two things, like the fear is change could be a financial problem. But on the other hand, again, it sounds intriguing and exciting and fun. So my proposal was, hey, uh, the college football playoff is never going to include you. So do it yourself. Make Play yourselves. Uh, Cincinnati, play Tulsa. And, you know, Coastal Carolina, play whatever. And play an eight-game playoff of group of five football teams that are not the Power Five. These are smaller schools, BYU, uh, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, um, San Jose State, like smaller schools that are not in the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC or the ACC. And a group of five playoff, if I made it, it would be optional. If you're Cincinnati football and you were offered to play in a better bowl game than you felt like the playoff was, you don't have to play. If you're like, hey, this offer is better. We're getting good TV money. Take it. Fine. You don't have to play in the group of five playoff, but it's an opportunity for people that think their bowl game sucks and they'd rather play in a more meaningful game. It gives you an opportunity to play meaningful football at the end of the year, fighting for something. And again, the college football playoff is never going to include Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina or BYU or uh, Louisiana. Like the not, – not Louisiana State, not LSU. No, the and Cajuns, the University of Louisiana in Lafayette. They're not going to get included ever. So accept that. Make something better. Don't go play the Belk – is that even a bad one? The the camping uh, popsicle bowl in the Bahamas. Don't go play that bowl game. Play a real meaningful football game against a team that matters. That's my proposal, my idea. If you got a better offer, take the better offer. No problem. If you're Cincinnati and they're like, hey, you want to play uh, Florida on New Year's Day in the Orange Bowl? Of course take that game. But if you don't have a good offer and you want a better opportunity, go play in the group of five con- – the group of five – you know – Secondary college football playoff, it sounds like a fun time. And I I think another thing too to think about. A bowl game has uh two parts of your audience. You have the team you're playing against's fan base and your fan base. So Boise State versus uh Oregon, for example, would have the Oregon fan base watches that game, and Boise State's fan base would watch that game. But you have a college football playoff game, you have not only the, the fan base from either side, you also have a group of people that would be interested in a playoff game that are there because they love good competitive football. I actually think that the market and the potential viewership of a group of five college football playoff game is more potential viewership than a random bowl game because it's not just fans of either team. People watching would also be there because they love playoff football and they're interested in good, interesting, competitive football. So I actually think it could make more money, not less. Jack writes in, has a confusing thing. I think it's misguided. I'll read it. Jack says, I was watching your video about how the Group of Five and Power Five conferences should have different national championship games, and it got me thinking, what if there was a promotion slash relegation tournament between the Power Five and Group of Five conferences? The way I would do this uh, is by taking the Group of Five winners and the five teams that came last in their conference in the Power Five conferences, and then randomly draw groups. Uh... He goes on to say that it would be good and yada yada and you could do all this stuff and he thought it was a good idea and it was wondering if I would like it. So I like the idea. The problem is – and look, I love you, man. Jack, you're awesome. I think you're a bit confused. In theory, like so uh, who, who was last in the Pac-12 this year? I, I don't know. I forget. Well, Let's say it was uh, – Arizona was probably last. So Arizona was last in the Pac-12 and hey, well, Cincinnati won their conference. So let's put Cincinnati in the Pac-12. Oh, you can't. Uh, would it be interesting? Yes. So will it work? No. Um, here's the problem. You can't just add teams to a conference because uh, that'd be, make too much sense. And college football would be too good that way. It'd be interesting, right? And they're not going to do that because college football and college conferences in general are big, archaic Bureaucracies. They don't want to do something that is hard and they don't want to include other people and uh, money is involved. So that would never happen because college conferences are decided by a bunch of other college nonsense. Are you a research school? Uh, how big are you? How many people are there? How many are you in state, out of state? You know, are, were you invited? Is there prestige to university? Like it's a bunch of complicated college nonsense that goes into making the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and the ACC and the SEC. You don't just get in easily. It's a slow uh, very slow-moving process, like geology. It doesn't happen quickly. And so uh, it'll never happen. It's a good idea to say, if you suck, go down. If you're good, go up. But you can't actually do that. It's not It's not the Premier League. And I would imagine you're probably from Europe if you're talking about a relegation league because that's the thing they do in professional soccer in Europe. But unfortunately, America is kind of stupid and we don't have uh, the flexibility to do that kind of stuff. We're very inflexible. And colleges are there for all kinds of problems that I I don't need to get into. Uh, but that would never happen here because, again, no one's flexible enough or smart enough to capitalize that and make that happen. Because, again, it's probably too good of an idea, and people don't like that. If people don't like good ideas. They often are found uh, feeling very uncomfortable with change in America. Uh, well, That was harsh. That ending was a little bit rough. Uh, probably maybe too mean. Edward Brideson says, hey, Zach, how did you and your girlfriend meet? Kind of a boring story, actually. We've been friends since high school. Uh, I always thought she was incredibly beautiful. She always had a boyfriend, uh, and so when we were both single, I DM'd her and said, "Hey, you're awesome. I think I'm pretty awesome. We should go on a date, and that could be kind of special." And it was. And here we are. And I'm gonna marry her. She's wonderful. Uh, and so that's it. It's kind of boring. I just I, I knew her in high school, and then years later, when she was single and I was single, I DM'd her and said, "Hey, what's up? Let's go to McMinniman's and go for." dinner and a walk and a movie. And we did. And it was wonderful. So she's great. I love my girlfriend very, very much, but we don't have a crazy, beautiful story of how we met. Alex writes in, um, you know what? Can we do it? Let's do it. No, I'm not going to read Alex's question. I'm going to save Alex's question. It's too good and too fun. It's about concepts and schematics and football. I'm going to read the last question today from Jack. Jack says, Hey, Zach. As a longtime fan of the show, I understand how hard you work and how smart you are. Given this, I think it would be a great idea to do a live stream where fans can call in or ask questions in the chat. Wouldn't you agree that live streaming is a great way to interact with fans? This would be a great way to communicate to the people that enjoy your content the most, as well as expand your media platforms. Given your experience on YouTube, I believe you are more than capable of doing this. I think whether they're Uh, Whether it be a fan or another YouTuber, it is sometimes nice to hear another voice on the channel. Love your content. Keep up the great work. Okay. uh, Jack, I love you. Appreciate you. Glad you wrote in. So I I think people don't understand. I think most people don't know what goes on behind the scenes on this show. So I, I don't... First of all, you need a beefy PC to be able to live stream. Tom Grassi has a powerful pc and much faster internet than i do i don't have a great pc i don't have fast internet it just isn't available here actually uh and i also don't record at consistent times. so are, it's uh i started recording some episodes at three in the morning some are eight in the morning some are one and one p.m like when are you going to know when to tune in and i don't think that makes any sense uh i i really i don't record at consistent times i record as often as i possibly can I, every waking moment i'm awake basically i'm working uh, and creation takes time. And so I can't be like I'm recording every day at 10 o'clock because I'm not ready at every day at 10 o'clock. Sometimes it's later. Sometimes it's the next day. Uh, and also I think people just don't realize how much work it is behind the scenes to do other stuff and to add stuff and to um, collaborate and to have technically getting phone calls. It sounds bad. Like phone calls sound terrible on podcasts. Uh, the person doing it has to be talking into a microphone in order for it to even sound good. Then they have to send it to me and have to download it, get their video. And it's a long process. And there's so many roadblocks to making content. Uh, It's just not feasible right now to add any people or to add, uh, to hire anybody. I'm not financially in a place. I could do that. COVID has been awful this year. Took a bit of hate when there was no sports. I I didn't make much money in uh, the summer at all this year. Um, I mean, actually thank God for Patreon. Like, Patreon hey, kept me afloat <laughs> during that time. So uh, it, it's just not feasible to add that to the show. And I appreciate you. I love you. I think you don't understand how it works. And I, um, I just, uh, I love you. Appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. That's all I have for today. I need to be at my best friend's house in 15 minutes for breakfast. So I love you. Appreciate you. Ba-dum-bum, bam, we are